Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It's spring break time for the Missouri legislature, a pause in the state's business. It's a good time to assess the sessions so far. Our political reporter Jason Rosenbaum's in Jefferson City making that assessment. I asked him yesterday how productive the session's been during the first half. It depends on who you ask. The Senate has definitely passed some major pieces of legislation overhauling lawsuits and curtailing the low-income housing tax credit. And as many people here know, the Senate is usually the biggest barrier to pass major legislation. So those are two things that were long-standing priorities for Republicans. But when it comes to bolstering workforce development programs and finding a funding source for transportation spending, which happen to be the two biggest priorities for Governor Mike Parson, there's been some roadblocks to both of those things, especially among more conservative senators who are fearful about the cost of both of those initiatives. That doesn't necessarily mean that those particular issue areas are 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 kind of dead because we're 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 still pretty early in the session, but it does mean that what the governor wanted from the the start is not automatically being passed very quickly. Although we should assume, I guess, that the legislature is likely to be fairly friendly to him. I think that's a fair assumption, just because the governor has longstanding ties to a lot of legislators and is a former legislator himself. So what will likely happen with some of the stalled workforce development and transportation issues is there could be compromises that arise near the end of the session when typically a lot of the major pieces of legislation pass. I don't think it's necessarily fair to look at the legislative output now and say, well, not a lot has passed, therefore the session is not as successful as people thought, just because it it does take time for legislation to come together, and usually that comes together in late April or early May. But it is notable that some of the major agenda items of the governor have run into some Republican opposition. Should point out and let uh, our listeners know that you are in the Capitol right now as we speak, and that's, I am. Th- that's the source of some of that uh, uh, background noise that it we're is. hearing. It is. That's a that's a very good disclosure, Don. Right. What is what are the chimes that I'm hearing in the background? The Senate's voting at right now on on some non-controversial piece of legislation. You, usually, they they vote both chambers vote to pass things out of the respective chamber on Thursdays. You know, Jason, I think one of the things that many people will be interested in uh, is what we've been hearing about the the legislature sort of inclined to undo the will of the voters. I'm thinking of Amendment 1, minimum wage, and things like that. Uh, Where is all of that at the moment? I would say that's in flux. Um, As far as, like, making changes to the aforementioned minimum wage increase, I don't think you're going to see the legislature, like, completely roll that back. I think that they're trying to roll that back for specific employees like like public employees or teenagers or something like that. Um, but that's going to run into opposition in the Senate. And I don't think there's a huge amount of appetite among Republican leadership to do wholesale scale back of, of raising the minimum wage to $12 an hour. Um, as far as uh, Amendment 1 goes and the state legislative redistricting, I don't think I've said this many times. There's not really much suspense over that. The legislature is going to put 
the changes to state legislative redistricting back on the ballot in 2020. The only question is, are they going to make that move this session in 2019? Are they going to do it next year in 2020? The consensus I've heard is probably they're going to wait until 2020, but they don't, the Republicans do not like the, the changes to state legislative redistricting. They believe that they were, it was imposed on the state by Democratic interest groups that want more Democratic state legislative seats. And it, 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 the Republicans do have the power to put something back on the ballot for, for voters to, to consider. What that is, too, we, we also don't really know at this point. That can be a little risky for a politician, can't it, though? Because the, uh, the, the, the questions in point were passed rather handily by the voters. They were passed handily because a lot of very popular things were attached to this redistricting proposal, like banning lobbyist gifts or substantially curtailing lobbyist gifts and making fairly minuscule changes to campaign finance regulations. So when that particular amendment was marketed to voters, it was all marketed on cleaning up Missouri politics and trying to curtail uh big money in Missouri politics. It was not really marketed on the redistricting piece, which many here believe was the reason behind Amendment 1. And I do agree with you, though, Don, that the challenge for Republicans who don't like the new redistricting system for state legislative seats is they could put something on the ballot in 2020 and the voters will just reaffirm it because I don't know voters will have a, a clear enough reason to undo it. So this all may be a philosophical exercise in the run-up to the, the new redistricting system that, if it's sustained, will start in 2021. In connection with all of this, uh, it's my understanding, obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is some sentiment in Jefferson City for changing the initiative petition process altogether. There is, but ironically, that would require the, the assent of statewide voters. If they wanted, for example, to make it more high, like raise the threshold to, to put something in the Constitution, they would have to put that up for a vote. And all you would need is a majority vote for that to happen. Um, and there could be bipartisan opposition to that because both re Republican leaning groups and Democratic leaning groups have used the initiative petition process to get things into law or the Missouri Constitution that can't pass in the legislature. So there's definitely a lot of talk about that. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, the legislature ended up putting something on the ballot, changing the initiative petition process. But similarly to the state legislative redistricting process, it's very possible that voters may not be may not be amenable to those changes because they see the initiative petition process as a, a way to pass things the legislature simply won't address. I wonder how Rex Sinkfield would think about uh, changing that process. It's a, it's a device that he likes to use from time to time. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say that Rex Sinkfield is about to put a city-county merger proposal on the ballot, but I think <laughs> it's widely assumed that he's going to help fund that effort. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, there you go, right there. Let's talk Title IX. Uh, there's some discussion about it, obviously, in Jefferson City and in other parts of the country, including Washington. What's going right. on with Title IX issues? Well, there's this pretty frantic push in Missouri to make substantial changes to Title IX, which is the process that colleges and universities use to examine like sexual harassment or sexual assault claims primarily against students. And 
the proponents of changing that process believe that the process now doesn't give enough due process rights to the accused. But the legislation that was initially put forward on this seemed to basically create a system that critics felt would prevent accusers from coming forward because the original bill like allowed accusers to be sued. It also allowed like uh, people who were accused of sexual harassment or sexual assault to sue Title IX employees in their personal capacity, which meant like it would be very difficult to attract those type of employees to, to come to Missouri universities and do that as important jobs. I keep saying like the initial bill because the House Judiciary Committee made a, a host of pretty substantial changes, including taking out some of the provisions I just mentioned, like being able to sue Title IX employees and being able to sue uh, accusers. Um, they also aren't making it retroactive, which means like uh, somebody who went through the Title IX process couldn't go through like the, 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 the process that's being laid out in this particular legislation. There are still some major changes that survived the House Judiciary Committee uh, vote, uh, which include like allowing the attorney for someone accused to uh, cross-examine an accuser. So I think that there's still going to be a lot of discussion over this. Um, there's been about 23 or 24 lobbyists hired to make changes to Title IX, and all the while there's probably going to be changes to Title IX done on a federal level by the Trump administration. So that it's complex. It's, it's sparking a lot of controversy. Um, and we'll just have to see how the legislative process goes on that yeah. issue. Speaking of controversy, once again, abortion is on the front burner. Yes. Um, I would, I, if I had to make any prediction, Don, about what issue is going to attract a lot of attention in the second half, it's legislation that passed the House that does a number of things with abortion in Missouri, but most notably would ban abortion after a heartbeat or brain activity is detected, which uh, proponents of this legislation would mean there would basically be an abortion ban after eight weeks of a pregnancy. And it passed the House overwhelmingly, and it will almost certainly face a Democratic filibuster in the Senate. And the question for Republican leaders is, do they, how much political time and, and, and energy do they want to devote to this issue? Because this could be a filibuster that lasts days and could take up time that could be going toward other legislative pursuits. Um, but Governor Mike Parson has made clear that he wants this bill to pass. Uh, there is exceptions in this for medical emergencies, but not rape or incest, which is another fairly controversial element of this legislation. And I can safely predict that if this bill ends up passing, as is from, from the House, this will make national news and will put Missouri in the forefront of the, the abortion rights conversation. I just want to point out once again to listeners who might just be joining us that Jason is talking to us uh, from the Capitol in Jefferson City. The noise you hear in the background, the chimes, the bells right on cue there uh, yes. are part of what's going on on the floor right now. Uh, two other issues, Jason, and time is beginning to wind down a little bit. A couple of things I did want to uh, touch upon, though, was uh, Internet sales tax. Anything going on that? There is definitely some substantial discussions on 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 
passing an internet sales tax. That's a consequence of a U.S. Supreme Court decision that allows states to levy an internet sales tax, even on retailers that don't have a physical presence in the state. The debate really, though, is whether to use that money to expand state programs or to pay for state programs or to use that money to cut income or corporate taxes. And I, I, if I had to guess, I think that Missouri will eventually implement an internet sales tax. It's just the question of like what the money is going toward. And I think that's kind of the internal discussion among Republicans right now. How about marijuana? Interestingly, there was actually a bill passed this week that would allow somebody who gets a medical marijuana card to ask a judge to expunge marijuana related offenses from their records. And proponents see that as a way of like if somebody uses medical marijuana and has convictions that are related primarily to possession, because it doesn't include like if you if you're caught driving under the influence, for example, I don't think you could expunge that it would be easier for, for those people to like get jobs and, and gainful employment. That passed the House initially. Um, there was bipartisan support for that, even though there was also some opposition to that. And you're definitely going to see more marijuana-related legislation over the next couple of years since Missouri voters uh, legalized medical marijuana last year. Recreational marijuana, then, is what we're talking about. Well, maybe. I think that the I think that that's a certainly a possibility, given that Illinois is going to legalize uh, re recreational marijuana pretty soon. And there's a lot of money to be made in that industry, both for the state and for private interests. But I would probably guess that if recreational marijuana comes to Missouri, it will be through the initiative petition process. Now, whether the initiative petition process is harder based on what we talked about before, yeah. uh, that may. Uh, affect that debate a little bit. But I, I mean, I think it's kind of inevitable that marijuana will be legalized probably everywhere recreationally before we're all uh, passed on. Are the legislators likely to do anything about our opioid uh, epidemic? I, I do believe that there will be substantial debate on whether to uh, implement a prescription drug monitoring program uh, that that legislation has always been able to pass the House relatively easily, but always comes up with to roadblocks in the Senate, mainly among conservatives who feel like it's a privacy concern. Um, I, I think, though, that there may be possibility for compromise on that. There's already a lot of uh, local jurisdictions that use the PDMP all right now. So the genie is kind of out of the bottle, so to speak. Um, We'll just kind of have to see whether that conservative opposition that sunk that bill in the Senate in the past reemerges this time. One other issue before we have to end this, Jason, concerns um, the uh, proposal for, uh, I guess mandatory is not the right word, but uh, for setting up uh, Bible classes in public uh, schools. Right. That bill passed the House on, on Wednesday. It may get a third reading on, on Thursday, it doesn't require school districts to, to offer an elective social studies class for teaching about the Bible, but it does provide them with the option as a way to kind of showcase how the Bible influenced society and government. Obviously, anytime you, you put forward legislation like that, it's going to be controversial and it's going to have some pushback from people who believe it's a violation of separation of church and state. But 
I, I definitely think that's going to pass the House. Whether it dies in the Senate kind of remains to be seen. Well, clearly, Jason will have to end this, but clearly a lot of work ahead for the legislators when they come back for their break from their break. Very much so. And and after spring break is usually when the legislature gets down to brass tacks. And I expect a lot of activity over the final few weeks. St. Louis political reporter Jason Rosenbaum in Jefferson City on the first half of the current session of the Missouri legislature. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.